This is BTS with CTV, behind the scenes, behind the stories we bring you from the CTV Vancouver newsroom. My name is Penny Daflos and I'll be your guide behind the curtain to the unfolding friction that centers on Surrey City Hall but has triggered widespread discussion and criticism well beyond the city limits. When one-time mayor of Surrey, Doug McCallum, was re-elected to lead the booming Vancouver suburb after a 13-year hiatus from politics, he felt he had a strong mandate leading a community that had earned a reputation as the backdrop for countless street-level gang conflicts and the bullets and bloodshed that come with it. A core pillar of McCallum's pitch to voters had been a plan to end the policing agreement with the RCMP in favour of a municipal police force. If we get elected and we promise the residents we're going to do something, yes, we do have to stick to those problems. We can't change our minds. He also promised to axe plans for at-grade light rail service in favour of much costlier SkyTrain expansion for a sprawling city that brings in an estimated 1,000 new residents each month. That is the background and I'm going to bring in John Woodward now to discuss what the fallout has been. Uh, John, we've seen councillors leave the mayor's party. We've seen growing criticism and some bizarre comments uh, like the surprise idea that the uh, mayor thinks that a canal would be a lovely idea for Surrey. I, I think that'd be a, a lovely idea, you know, going along with your gondolier just like in Venice from Surrey City Hall all the way down to the provincial court. Why not? I mean, it sounds nice, but it did come out of nowhere. There was no discussion. This was not a campaign promise or anything. So it was just one of those things that kind of came out of left field and I think just kind of adds to the idea of what is going on in Surrey these days. Well, yeah, you say, say what you will about the mayor. He's got ideas. And if that canal, it's a bold idea, sure. I, I, I think it's the only thing that would cost more than the Surrey Police Department. Okay, so this is the big topic of discussion right now because I can understand uh, people in the community, a lot of people have been discussing, is the RCMP best suited to over, because Surrey is the largest RCMP detachment in the country. It is a city. There's no uh, two ways about it. It's a very geographically large city, but it has a lot of city problems. And a lot of the criticism has been that the reason that gang violence has risen so much in that community is because the RCMP is ill-equipped as an organization to deal with urban issues like that when they are predominantly used by smaller communities. They police everything from, uh, you know, communities of a few dozen people to several thousand, but Surrey's kind of an outlier. So that's been one of the main um, points that the mayor has used in his discussion to, to get rid of the RCMP. But it's actually really complicated to make a transition to a municipal force, and that's a lot of the number crunching and, and digging that you've been working on. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think anyone would suggest for a minute that an RCMP officer is not as dedicated or as qualified as a as a as a municipal police officer because they are all putting their lives on the line for our safety, uh, and we and we should definitely respect that. But within that organization, there there's going to be differences in how how it approaches. So, a municipal police force has a police board, and if there's a problem with accountability or or discipline or uh, even some um, even some police act violations, th there's a process locally that involves the democratically elected mayor of that municipality, like Vancouver has one, um, where the mayor is intimately informed and actually has a, he's the chair of the police board, so he has some control uh, over the police force. It's not like that in Surrey. So the RCMP, essentially, if you want discipline, if you want changes, if you want anything, you really have to go to Ottawa and deal with uh, the com commissioner of the RCMP there or, or higher up the Minister of Public Safety. It's not a locally accountable system. Uh, and I think that has knock-on effects, um, whether it be the, um, the, the discipline problems. To some, to some extent, you saw some of the sexual harassment 
issues were very poorly handled from a personnel point of view that may have been better handled locally in, in a, a, by a police board or by, by a police chair, police chief, I should say, accountable to a police board, things might have happened differently. Uh, that, that's a bit of speculation, but that, that's one example that I can see. Um, but then this idea that the, that the people, the police officers in these places are accountable to their communities, the RCMP does move people around. But the RCMP also has people that stay with their community for a long time. So I, I, when I look at that, it, it, it's, it's not obvious to me what the best, you know, all things being equal, what the best possible police force is. But I do know that the RCMP costs less money. And so if you're looking at a gap between the RCMP and the, and the Surrey police force of about $19 million a year, 10%, and that's the optimistic assessment by the city, remember, that's $19 million you're not spending on other things. So is, uh, is solving these problems of accountability, is solving these problems of internal discipline worth $19 million? Uh, I, that's, that's, a real, that's a question the citizens of Surrey have got to answer. Not to mention the issue has come up that the city of Surrey does not fund per capita as many police officers as, say, the city of Vancouver. If you were to just give the RCMP the resources that other police jurisdictions have, would you be better served than the startup costs of an entirely new force? Because it's not just a redesign of the logo. I mean, you're talking, um, you know, what are the severance packages like for your existing members? Uh, what are your um, setting up an entire, just think about, um, the computer system needed and the um, fail safes just to keep track of all the data, all the files. I mean, the startup costs are tremendous. It's easy to say that we can look at a template like Vancouver or like Delta or like Abbotsford as a starting point, but you really do have to do a lot of work yourself. And a lot of the public consultation that they've done in this community, the, the criticism that I'm hearing from counselors and all sorts of people is, when the question on the survey is, would you like more like more uniformed patrol officers in your community? Who's gonna say no to that? That's why you get these 99% answers on this survey that has come under a lot of criticism, but the mayor has been using as justification to say, look, overwhelming support for all the questions we asked in our survey, everybody wants to switch to a municipal force. That's not what the question was. That question was not explicitly asked and you can't come to that conclusion. So we as journalists can't present it that way, even though that's what it said in the press release from the mayor's office. And, and it goes beyond that. I mean, whoever's answering that question has probably been to these consultation meetings uh, that have been going on around Surrey, where they'll they'll put up these big placards talking about how important safety is with the Surrey Police logo and uh, the, and the SPD 001, the first police car of Surrey. Um, it, it, a lot of this money is being spent to not our, not not show the best for, best case of the argument to the citizens of Surrey so they can make a good decision. It's been to say here's the decision and let's let's sell you on it. And I think that's that's my sense of it, especially given that that first press conference we had SPD 001 rolls up and everybody's taking photos of it. And this was before the report had come out. We didn't even know what this Surrey police force was going to look like, but we sure knew what the cars would. And I think that a lot of the time we found that backwards. So can I can I do my reveal? Please. Uh, so John is on this podcast breaking a story for us uh, that this podcast will go live probably shortly after the uh, online version. But John has an array of papers with a whole bunch of numbers here. So John, what have you discovered about this uh, Surrey police car uh, 001? Okay, so it just it struck me as strange when we saw the SPD 001 come up. There was a big video, a big logo. There was just a whole lot of time and effort put into this into into the vehicle when we had no idea what was going on with the force. So I asked how much all of this cost through a Freedom of Information Act. 
uh, request. And uh, the city got back to me not too long ago and said, here it is. So, so I can share with you for the very first time, we've got, uh, we've got the car rental fees at $1,792 times three uh, for three months rental of the vehicle itself. We've got uh, the graphic to, uh, or sorry, we've got the um, design fees of about $5,775 for the SPD logo. We've got uh, $4,700 for that graphic um, to be installed on the side of the vehicle. And uh, we have $550 for an American uh, voice, um, voice actor to voice that video. And so all, all, all in all, the total is something around $14,000 when you add it all up. Um, uh, money that the, the, the mayor of Surrey is using, the taxpayer money of the citizens of Surrey, to convince the citizens of Surrey something that they don't have all the information about. And that's another thing is the, the, the survey on this policing um, that they had put out to citizens both in person and online. And by the way, there was no verification online to be able to tell whether it was uh, residents of Surrey uh, giving their opinion or, or just people who hate the RCMP, you know, that being able to be shared through a Facebook group and to be able to stack the results that way. So that's entirely problematic. This survey was done before we had any of the numbers. And so people were asked their opinions uh, in this bizarre, um, you know, mealy mouth survey in, in a way that they had to do so before there was any information for them to really know what they get got into. And so I think part of the friction that we are now seeing on council that two of the, the people who ran on the mayor's slate, so it, for people who can't remember, seven out of the eight councillors that were elected uh, in addition to the mayor were part of the Safe Surrey Coalition. It was a, a loose coalition. It's not like they had, it was like a full party, but they agreed to run on the same platform, which was to replace the RCMP and to bring in SkyTrain. Great. Well, we are sitting in a position now where um, a few weeks ago, one of those councillors defected, Stephen Pettigrew. Uh, two weeks ago, Brenda Locke, another councillor defected. And now we have uh, J uh, Jack Hundile, who's a former RCMP officer, saying that he is reconsidering where he sits on this. So th you've got this 50-50 split now with the councillors um, trying to figure out what they want. And when I asked the mayor about the uh, Surrey RCMP, because this seems to be a real sticking point, I said, how can you stick to this idea, even though it's going to be more expensive and potentially less officers, and we still don't know the details. These are just rough numbers right now. And he said, any politician will tell you that you make a promise, you have to stick to it. We knew that it was going to cost a little bit more. He didn't address, you know, the, 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 the less officers, but he said, you know, there's going to be less people pushing around paper. There's going to be more frontline officers, and that's how we're going to make up for the difference. And so I feel like the schism on council right now is, do you keep your promise and do what you said you were going to do, or do you start looking at the numbers and the facts that you're being presented by experts and say, okay, maybe this isn't a great idea. And then we have to try to cover it, it, it. Sometimes it's a bit of a political bun fight. This person said this, that person said that. But at the end of the day, this is a huge decision that could impact taxpayers. And what do you do? Like, what's what's the right call? Yeah, I think I think it's in a way it's uh, reinforces my faith that uh, in in the democracy of uh, of Surrey, I think these councils are wrestling with all the things we're talking about. It's obviously there's obviously some problems that you and I can tell, and that we're trying to tell our viewers and readers about. Uh, and and these counselors, by virtue of their actions, are seeing these same things and wrestling with them as, themselves. It's not easy to start with a to a, a political party and then change. I mean, this is this is a big deal. This is a big decision that each of them are making. That's going to have big ramifications on their political future. So this isn't a matter of 
firing off a tweet, for example, this is a this is going to a decision that's going to hang with them for some time. And also, what it shows me is that they're actually um, there are actually political consequences to this. So you know, if you drop the map, uh, you know, assuming. Hyundai goes uh, with the with the um, let's call it the opposition slate, for lack of a better word. Um, you've got McCallum himself being the only vote that makes this a five-four situation, which allows him to cling to, to or to hold the, the legislative mandate. If he loses somebody else, all of a sudden he's in he's a weak mayor. So in our weak mayor system, the, the mayor has but a single vote on council and cannot do anything. He, he doesn't. He's not like a president, right? He doesn't have a veto or anything like that. He's just a single councilor, although. On the executive side, he has some control over the city functions. So, so if he lo if he loses another council councilor, then he, he's essentially in a in a the municipal version of a minority government. And when you look at the list, um, you know, for example, Doug Elford, he was a very outspoken guy on a different slate before he joined uh, Safe Sir. I'm I'm personally wondering what he's thinking um, and wondering. If all of these, I know he's a very thoughtful guy. I'm wondering if he's looking at all these numbers, especially the numbers of police officers, right? That's dropping. And, you know, I talked to Doug, though, a couple weeks ago because I tried to get in touch with all the councillors to see how they were feeling about things going forward, you know, if this coalition is over. And he actually says he's still with the mayor on this because he sees them being able to chart a path forward. But again, these are people, this is what I love about municipal government and people don't pay enough attention. These are people going to the grocery store and running into constituents. Mm -hmm. These are people who are in the community and hear over and over again whether people are opposed or in support of a policy decision. So it's actually very different than, than people in uh, provincial or federal politics who are rarely in their constituency offices because they're often out, you know, making legislative changes at, at different levels, where somebody like Doug, uh, like Jack, all of these people, like I hear again and again that um, constituents come up and talk to them. So th they hear if there is a change in sentiment. Um, and, and I find it really, th this whole thing just tells me like, what is a mandate? How do you get to decide what a mandate is? People vote for so many different reasons. And these councillors are hearing that, okay, you may have been elected for something, but that doesn't necessarily mean that people are gonna stick to that idea when they start getting the information. Yeah, I, I mean, unlike, yeah, maybe even provincial or federal politics, it's so much easier with that distance to just sort of ally yourself with a political ideology and just say, all right, that's it. I'm an NDP or I'm a liberal, I'm a conservative. That's it. In in the city level, um, you see these parties rise and fall in a lot greater frequency. I mean, vision was there and dominant forever. And now, boom, they have a little single, single person on any of the elected uh, areas in Vancouver, for example. Safe Surrey coalition barely existed before this election so so these things come close uh, rise and fall very quickly and the and i think that has a lot to do with what you're saying about how close the issues are everything you know we're talking about the streets that we're walking down so it's very easy to see potholes and say okay i know who i'm going to call there are also allegations that the mayor um, himself is too controlling. Like you said, it, you know, when a mayor is elected in our system right now, he's no different than any other councillor. In this case, it could be that uh, Doug McCallum ends up being um, the one who um, casts a vote in order to get his, his agenda passed. But we're hearing uh, from councillors, they say, well, if I pass a motion, I have to go through the mayor. And the mayor told me himself, yeah, I, I'm the chair of this board, so I have to... I have to approve things. That's not how other councils work. A councillor can just pass a motion. If it's not uh, supported by anybody else, it just fails. In this case, the mayor wants it to go through him first. And we also had allegations uh, just a few days ago that um, city staff are being coerced into not signing a petition in support of the RCMP. Uh, the, the mayor's office says that that is not the case and it, anybody can sign whatever petition they want. But there's a big difference between official policy and this perception that if you aim 
anger the mayor and he finds out it and if it's known that your name is on this petition list you could face uh, professional consequences so there's this um, perception where Doug McCallum is not uh, I, I would say um, most mayors are actually quite polite with other councillors there's a you know if you go to a council meeting everybody's very courteous but in this case there was a yelling match between McCallum and Stephen Pettigrew uh, and it sounds like uh, McCallum is much more interested in flexing his authority and exercising those powers than previous mayors have been particularly in Surrey rather than whipping the vote he's just saying no this is how it's going to be and and just bringing down the hammer in a way that so far it seems that he's entitled to do yeah I mean he's he's been around a politician in the lower mainland for a long time he knows the tricks if you will and I mean I you're, you're talking about something that reminds me of where I was at the mayor's council and had to had to look at some of these really contentious decisions that were being made about bringing this Surrey SkyTrain on instead of the LRT and every time uh, uh, he would insist that the mayors there not vote by show of hands, which is sort of done when it's mostly consensus, or by a counted vote, which is done when you might have some disagreements, but you know, in the end, the majority is expected to prevail. He wanted a, a weighted vote, where every mayor would only have a vote proportional to the number of people in their city, which resulted in the closest vote I've ever seen at the mayor's council, where uh, where it, it almost was a tie, but for but for but for one uh, mayor of uh, and 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 he he won he won so he came very because very if close. you get Vancouver and Surrey to agree on something, there the population um, basically um, undoes everybody else. It negates every other vote, doesn't it? Yeah. So he he had his, he, Kennedy Stewart was uh, his silent partner in that, and that's how they they pushed this over the line. And it came very, 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 very close to not making it. But that's the kind of uh, bare knuckle politics that McCallum is employing right now. And you know, it'll work for as long as it works until until he gets a maybe a major loss, such as another councillor, such as maybe a few other cities not not joining on at the mayor's uh, council. So it's it's it can be a very powerful position because if you know what your rights are, you know what your um how far your reach can be, why wouldn't you? And if these other councillors, I mean, for, I, I think I talked to all but one, um, they're all staunchly behind the mayor. They really believe in, in that line of, well, we promised something, we're going to follow through on it. And, you know, come hell or high water, we said that we're going to do something, we're going to follow through on it. So he's, he's, he's counting on that particularly. I mean, this is, again, a mayor who's bare knuckle fighting. You're not kidding. He's accusing the, the councillors who've broken ranks with him of riding his coattails to get into office and then ditching him afterwards when they didn't need him anymore. That is the narrative um, coming from the mayor. He told me so himself in person several times that, you know, Brenda Locke, you know, once I got her into office, you know, then she turns around and does whatever she wants. Well, what's the difference between that versus going with your conscience or, or trying to analyze the information? Depending on whether you love or hate the mayor, you're going to buy into one narrative or the other, and it's hard to know where the truth lies. Well, I think that, that assertion is impossible to prove because at the end of the day, you look at the ballot, it says Brenda Locke, and it'll say Safe Surrey Coalition, and how do you know what the voter wanted? Maybe Brenda Locke is very popular in her own right. And I don't know if we have the polls at the city of Surrey in the way that we could ever answer that question. So at the end of the day, that's that's a boastful statement by the mayor that's designed to diminish uh, Ms. Locke. Uh, and I think, and it's the kind of thing that you'll see um, the mayor say every so often when, for example, he was making the case for a Surrey SkyTrain station uh, at, or Surrey SkyTrain line at uh, the mayor's council. He said, look, everybody voted for this. At my city, the citizens of Surrey are united. 
But really, when you look at the numbers, you had three major parties. Two of them wanted the Surrey Skytrain. One of them didn't. So there are, uh, you know, depending on how the votes land up, you got a, you got a significant chunk of people who definitely didn't. And then of those people who voted for a party that had in its uh, platform uh, Skytrain to uh, through Surrey, how many of them were voting for that? These are questions that are impossible to answer. But if he's confident enough, maybe we'll buy it. Well, especially, but you can also make the argument, Brenda Locke was uh, an MLA for, for several terms. She was a cabinet minister. Jack Hundile was a former RCMP officer. So you get people like that behind you, it burnishes your own reputation. So it, it really, it kind of cuts both ways. Were they yeah. the ones that helped get him into office by legitimizing him and saying, no, no, look, he was the mayor before and he's been out for a long time, but he's got some fresh ideas and we're behind him. We're professionals in our own right. We're known by the community. So really, you can kind of take that both ways, but the mayor has a much bigger megaphone speaking from City Hall, and I should add, it can be very hard to hear from him in person because I have on many occasions put requests into City Hall to speak with the mayor on a bunch of different issues that come up here. He has turned us down, turned me down specifically every single time, and it's only really at the TransLink Mayor's Council, at other uh, big events, or at council meetings. He will speak to you there, but uh, you know, if he's already you know on scene, but at day to day. I have never had him agree to an interview request uh, outside of a situation like that. Uh, yeah, he can be a little hard to get a hold of. I know that, I mean, we've, we obviously have gotten him uh, on occasion um, and asked him, you know, when we have a chance to see him, we do, we do ask him the, the relevant questions that we can. Um, I mean, I think, you know, I, I wonder if having spent so long in municipal politics, he's, he's kind of, he sees enough of the rules here that he, he doesn't feel the need for a lot of that soft power kind of kind of display where you can make these backroom deals or you can uh, do something, you know, on a handshake uh, because he knows, at least for the moment, he has the 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 sort of the, the levers of power of the government that he can pull and get um, his agenda through. So I, I wonder, you know, if how if, if those are the levers of powers he chooses to use how many how many allies he's going to lose in that process of not not using that that soft power and keeping people on his side and you wonder if these if these people who have he's alienated these counselors he's alienated in Surrey would have been so alienated had he tried to do things uh, in the in these back channels but again you know take his point of view take say say a majority of people in Surrey do want the police force whether that question is asked fairly, assume it had been, maybe that's the answer. And maybe they would say good for McCallum for pushing through this, um, this uh, necessary change despite the opposition. And some people are going to like that. Some people like a, a brash politician who sticks to his guns and, and isn't worried about being, you know, Mr. Nice Guy. He's just there to kind of get the job done. So that's really going to appeal to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. And so, and so if, you're, if you're talking about being a lightning rod, if you're talking about appealing to your base... I mean, we seem to live in a in a world where politics, politicians thrive on on that kind of let's get you know 38 percent of the people vote for us. Who cares about the rest of them? You know, and and you see that south of the border, uh, and and you sometimes see that federally in in this country. Uh, so it's a it's a kind of uh, time where I you know people are getting their information and they're organizing themselves uh, in a in a more partisan way than I thought I'd I'd see. For sure. And uh, uh, as somebody who reads a lot of the news and sees the shades of gray, uh, I, I do sometimes wonder how it is that people can ally themselves so closely with any political party, 
given the amount of information that's out there and the amount of raw factual material you have as a citizen to make your own decisions, it always surprises me when somebody, politician hits the floor and it's 38% and it doesn't, it seems to never go lower than that. Well, and I think all of this is uh, making politics in Surrey a lot more interesting. I think for a long time, people were only interested in what was happening in the big city in Vancouver. Oh, Vancouver this, Vancouver that. But there's a, a there's a spotlight and there's a scrutiny on Surrey now that may be uncomfortable for um, some of the councillors, may be uncomfortable for McCallum. Seems that he doesn't really mind it too much because he's just kind of continuing on with what he'd like to do. But I, I, I think overall, it's a good thing that... Our, our viewers and our readers seem to be responding to these stories. There's a lot of interest, so I'm, I'm glad that we are, are covering them because people seem to genuinely understand that these, um, a lot of these decisions and, and the infighting and everything else, they can all really have an impact on their lives and how, how they live in their community. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, a lot of this is growing pains. You know, the Surrey is going from, uh, you know, a, a suburb to a center in its own right, and uh, part of that is getting a police force. Part of that is upgrading its public transit system. Um, and and a, a lot of these things are probably long overdue, frankly. I mean, if you listen to Doug McCallum, he'll say there hasn't been a major um, investment in Surrey since um, since that first leg of the Expo line was built, or the the one through Surrey that was built. So that's and that's uh, that's something that the citizens of Surrey need. Do they need a champion in the form of Doug McCallum? Do they or uh, the old champion everyone will remember was Diane Watts bringing the city Surrey City Hall to uh, the center of town and starting that development in there, which is coming along. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot happening out there. So I think, you know, the, the questions about Surrey City Hall, Surrey democracy, what the mayor is doing, how this council is going, are actually becoming more important over time because of the stakes, the people, the money at play here. Thank you so much for your time, John. Thanks very much, Penny. After all this discussion about Mayor McCallum, I want to give him the last word on some of these issues in his own words. Some other reporters and I caught up with him outside a TransLink Mayor's Council meeting a couple weeks ago. Brenda has left the coalition today and she cited um, your leadership style. Um, well, Brenda um, um, campaigned with the Safe Surrey on coalition on the platform that we're implementing. Um, she got tens of thousands of votes um, on that platform um, and she's going to now have to address those people that voted for her. Um, as far as um, the rest of Safe Surrey Coalition and myself, we're going to carry on with um, what we, the residents of our city, voted us in to do and so we will continue on um, making sure that we address the concerns that was expressed um, in the election. Um, we are working towards having our own Surrey Police Department um, to building SkyTrain, and uh, we're going to work towards doing smart development, meaning um, higher density along transit lines. Those are the issues that um, our residents voted us for, and the rest of Safe Surrey is going to continue um, to address those issues and make sure that um, we bring them into force for the citizens of Surrey. But how do, you, how do you address her concerns that she's leading because of your leadership style, specifically? Well, I think um, as far as my leadership um, style, style is concerned, um, you've been at council, you've seen council, um, it's very good. Everybody gets a chance, if they want to, to speak at council. Um, they have lots of opportunity to speak at council. And um, we only deal with um, issues in camera 
that we have to because of the community charter that's um, available to all the cities. So we have a very open discussion on, on those meetings. Um, on our committee meetings, we've also had um, open discussions. As far as Councillor Locke is concerned, I've had many meetings with her dealing with her portfolio on housing and, and I have always accepted exactly what she feels that we should deal with in the social programs. So we've been quite open actually um, in discussions um, in our council and our council in majority is working very well on behalf of the residents that elected us. Are you saying though that you're going to stick to your platforms no matter the cost, no matter the details? Because it sounds to me from what I've heard from them that they're changing the position based on new information. Are you saying that despite new information you're not willing to reconsider anything that you campaigned on? Um, I don't think it's new information. We, in fact, and I have said right in the campaign, for example, in costs of our police force, that it would be about 10%. We're not changing from that. They ran knowing that it would be roughly 10%. So um, we, when we campaign, and any politician knows this, that if we get elected and we promise the residents we're going to do something, yes, we do have to stick to those problems. We can't change our minds. That's why the people voted us in. And so it's very important in cities that when you campaign and you say, and the residents vote you in, in big numbers, I might add, um, that you do what, um, what you suggest that you're going to do in the campaign. And you don't go and change your mind as soon as you get elected. We heard from another... Well, first, well, I'm not, if you haven't been following Surrey Council yet, well, well then, then you don't need to answer that question. I mean... Um, they both, uh, Councillor Pettigrew and Councillor Locke, have been very much outspoken against our own Surrey Police Force. They've been asking they, questions, though, haven't they? They've been very, very outspoken a, a, against them. So, so you don't think that this has anything to do with you and how you've been leading this coalition? I, I think, as I said earlier, I think it's about the residents of the city of Surrey. No, why during, but during, there are a number during, of people elected here and they say that they're not being heard, that they're not being heard at council and not allowed to speak. We've heard well, that they, from a number of people this week. Well, not you, you, I don't know who you, they've, they've had all the opportunity um, at council to hear. They can speak, if you've come to our council meetings, you can, they can speak on any item on the agenda. So they've had lots of opportunities to make their comments. They, they always have. But they can't make motions unless it goes through you. They can make motions if they come. Yes, our, our procedure bylaws, they can make all the motions they want. If they come to the chair, whether I'm chairing or committee, somebody else is chairing, and talk to the chairman, and then they, um, they um, will be allowed to, to make the motion. That's the procedural uh, process that all or most cities have in the region. So you think this is on them and nothing to do with you? I didn't say that. I said it. I think it's um, um, they campaigned on the platform. Uh, in the um, on their campaign when they did um, and in the Safe Surrey Coalition and uh, they will have to answer um, to uh, the public uh, as far that voted for them um, on the platform. Thank you for joining us on BTS with CTV and I hope you'll check out my colleague Binder Sudgeon's Lady at the Ledge podcast combining politics, current events and Binder's smart and sassy take on the big issues of the week. Is there a topic you'd like me to cover on a future episode of this podcast? Email me bts at ctv.ca and if you like what you heard, please subscribe for more insights, tidbits and the stories behind the stories. I'm Penny Daphos.